most beautiful. Good morning, everybody. It's so, so good to be here um, this morning with you guys today. Um, I'm going to be, we have some people in the room scattered around, but I'm actually going to just be looking at you guys this morning because I know most of you are looking at me right now. So, uh, <laughs> but my name is Rachel. I am the, uh, the worship director here at River in the Hills. And every once in a while, uh, I get the amazing opportunity to get to speak on Sunday mornings. And so um, I'm excited to just share with you some of what the Lord's put on my heart. Um, for those of you who don't know, this, um, the beginning of this year, there was a citywide campaign that was introduced called What's After Life and uh, What's After ATX. And so the idea is that we've been looking at that question, what happens when we die? It's a question that a lot of people have. And, um, and so we've been joining in with hun- over 100 churches in the Austin area um, responding to that question. There's a bunch of testimonies of people who have had near-death experiences where they've kind of been on the verge. They've crossed over for a moment. They've seen what experiences can be like with Jesus, and they've seen what experiences can be like without Jesus. Um, And so I'm not going to get into any details of that today um, for the sake of time, and also because Pastor Glenn did a really great job of uh, introducing all that stuff. So I would encourage you, there's two messages on our website, if you go to riverinthehills.com, and you scroll down through our messages, you'll see uh, in February there were two messages. One is called What's After Life, and the other is called What's After Life Part 2. And those are both phenomenal teachings that Pastor Glenn did, really practical, getting down to the nitty-gritty, um, and, and sharing a lot of these testimonials about near-death experiences. Um, and so I'm going to kind of take a step off of that message this morning, and I want to talk about um, one of the things that we have to look forward to if, in this life, if in this time, before eternity, before we step into eternity, If we choose to give our hearts to the Lord, if we choose to say yes to Jesus, right? Scripture makes it very clear that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, if we confess with our mouths um, that that he's Lord, that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So it's really simple. So if you've done that um, and you live according to that and you allow the work of the Holy Spirit to stir your heart into repentance, you begin to live according to the truth of Scripture you're set, you're saved, you're, you're saved from darkness, you're saved from hell and from torment for eternity. And what happens is, is in, in 1 Peter 2, it says you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of marvelous light. And so what I want to talk today about is a little bit of what that kingdom of marvelous light might look like. And my, my desire is to actually stir up for those of you who maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you're not really sure what's the point of saying yes to God. I think that that's just going to mean that every day I'm not going to be able to do what I want. I'm not going to be able to have fun. I'm going to have to live according to all these rules, and it's just going to suck the fun out of everything. The reality is, is that the greatest joy and the greatest freedom that you can ever have, as backwards as it sounds, is to be bound to Jesus. And... And so what I want to talk about is some of the reward that we get partially now, but largely in eternity, largely when we cross over. What happens when we breathe our last breath in our physical body and we step into eternity? If we stand before Jesus, if we've said yes to him, then is that the end of all things? You know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who have this picture of becoming a little angel floating around on a cloud. Um, <laughs> That's not super attractive to me, honestly. Like, if that's all I'm in this thing for, 
not super great motivation for me to keep going. Um, but when you actually look at scripture and you look at what it has to say about what we can look forward to, I'm telling you guys, as I have been meditating on some of these things these past few weeks, my heart has been so encouraged, so strengthened, and so motivated to say yes to the Lord again in a whole new way. Um, and so I'm just going to dive into, I'm going to be actually bouncing around scripture a lot. So um, I hope that you don't get lost, but <clears throat> you probably won't have time to turn there with me, and that's okay. Um, but I want to I hit this from an angle of looking at Jesus and how he stewarded his own life and how we can learn from him and how we can model our lives just like him. Because it begins, we're, I'm going to go to Psalm 2. <clears throat> Psalm 2 is a psalm that David wrote, and we call it a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that's actually a prophecy about Jesus the Messiah. And so this psalm is actually written from the perspective of God the Father speaking about Jesus, his son. And, and so the Father says to the Son, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, so this is the Father speaking to the Son, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. Some versions say your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. So the Father promises Jesus, if you ask of me, I'm going to give you a reward. I'm going to give you all of the nations of the earth. I'm going to give you every single person. I'm going to give you the earth itself from the ends of the earth as your inheritance, as your possession. Just ask of me. <clears throat> then I'm going to flip to John 17. Jesus really took his father seriously. <laughs> he really did. So we know the story, right? Jesus comes, even in that psalm, it says, to, the father says, today I've begotten you. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. So the father begets the son. The son comes. Jesus, fully God, comes as the form of a human. He lives a perfect, sinless life. He is displaying the character and the nature and the glory of the Father. And we see him in this scene in John 17 where he is about to go to the cross. The crux of what he came to earth for was to die, to bear the weight of the wrath of God, bear the weight of everything that we've deserved for living lives of sin, for living lives separated from God in our hearts. He comes and he takes all the weight of that and he bears it on the cross so that he can put sin and death to death forever, be raised again. We just celebrated last week, it was Easter Sunday, celebrating the death of the old and the resurrection of Jesus into life and that we get to step into. We get to step into the fullness of life that we've been resurrected into. But here's what Jesus says right before that moment happens, right before he goes to the cross. So remember, the Father says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Check this out, John 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, the context of that passage, he's talking about believers, the ones who already believe in me. Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So what we see is the Father saying, if you ask of me, I'm going to give you the nations. And what do we see? Jesus' response, Father. I want the nations. 
I want the ones that you've already given me, the ones who already believe me, and I want the ones who don't even believe in me yet, but they're gonna believe me because the ones who already do believe in me are gonna talk about me, and then others are gonna hear about me, and then they're gonna be in me just like I'm in you, and we're all gonna be perfectly together in one forever. So the father says, ask him me, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. There's a reward, son, that I want to give you. There's something that for all of eternity, I want you to have in your possession. And so what did Jesus do? He actually lives his life for that end goal. For the end goal. In fact, in Hebrews, it says, I'm not going to go there. I know the passage. It says that for the joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross, So Jesus was looking at the joy of the inheritance that he was going to receive. He's going, my father promised me that I'm going to get the nations. All I have to do is ask for it. All I have to do is ask. My father said, ask of me and I'll give it to you. So Jesus takes the father seriously. He says, okay, I'm going to ask. And now full of confidence knowing that the father said, ask, I asked. That means I am going to receive because he knew the principle of ask and he shall receive. So he's going, if my father promises, I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to receive it. And for that joy, for the joy of knowing, because I asked, I am getting the nations as my inheritance. I'm giving every single person, the ones who currently believe in me, the ones who will believe in me, they're going to be mine forever. And what does he do? For that joy that was set before him, he endures the cross. He gives up his life. And then three days later, he thrusts himself forward from that tomb. And he commissions us, his people, to continue to live the way that he lived. Go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaim my gospel to the ends of the earth because I'm coming back and I want everybody with me. They're gonna be with me because of the word that you share, okay? So this is how Jesus himself has lived his life. And I wanted to paint that picture because all throughout scripture, we are exhorted to look at Jesus, to look at the example of Jesus, and then to model our lives in the same way that Jesus did. In Philippians 2, it says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said to be perfect as he is perfect. So there are things that the Lord has called us into that look like, what did Jesus do? How did he live his life? And how can I model my life like that? And so I want to talk about that in the context of, let's look at what the Father has promised us. Just like the Father promised Jesus, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Jesus asked and he's receiving. You having said yes to Jesus, you living, me living right now for Jesus is actually an answer to his prayer. It's actually my choice to say yes to Jesus is actually allowing the Father to make good on his word. So every time that we say yes to the Father, every time that we say yes to Jesus, we invite him into our hearts, we're actually answering the cry of Jesus' heart. So in the same way that Jesus had, so that the Father said, I want to give something to you, my son. Here's your part. I have something for you, but you have to do your part. You have to ask for it. So Jesus comes, he does his part, he asks for it, and now he's already in the process of receiving it. What is it that scripture says that the Father, that Jesus has offered to us? And then what is our part and how do we respond to that? Now, for a while I've struggled with this um, because there can be this idea of, well, this isn't bad thinking. The Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is all that I need. I don't need anything. I'm good. Like eternity just with God 
like, that's okay. That's enough for me. I don't care if there's nothing else in it for me. I want Jesus. That's beautiful. That's right. That's holy. That's noble. However, sometimes the enemy can come in. And he can invade some of those thoughts. And he can cause us to say yes to and take on a burden that we were never meant to of living in actually what is false humility that says, I don't need anything else. And, and we kind of live in this almost poverty kind of mindset of like, I, I'm better off with nothing. I don't need anything. I'm supposed, like the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to die to my flesh. That means I'm supposed to lay down all of my desires and only live for Jesus. And so we can really take that to an extreme. And there are some who are really called to that, to live in radical ways, have literally nothing except for Jesus. And that's beautiful. I believe that the majority of believers are not called to that measure of, of radical sacrifice, mostly because of what I'm about to go through in scripture and what the Lord desires to give to us. Um, and so we want to be cautious that as we choose to believe, like, yes, God is enough for me. Yes, I'm supposed to die to my flesh. Yes, I'm supposed to live and be satisfied fully in the Lord. However, there's also a reality that the Father has gifts that he wants to give us. And there are ways that I can live my life now. There are ways that I can position my thought life, position my heart, that will affect my actions, that will actually enable the Father to be able to give me the gift that he wants to give. That's what we saw Jesus do. We saw Jesus respond. The Father said, I have something I want to give you. Now I want you to take it. And so Jesus said, okay, Dad, I'm going to ask you, because you said ask, and he's getting it. So what we can do is we can look at Jesus, who himself said in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So right there, Jesus is saying, hey, there's literal treasure for you to be had in heaven. Now there's a way that you can steward your life now where according to the earth, according to what looks like success here, uh, you'll have stuff laid up. But the reality is, is that that's not going to last for eternity. But your desire for treasure is actually really right. It's actually, it's from my heart because there's treasures in heaven that you can lay up. You can store up for yourself treasures in heaven and it's going to last forever. Like what better treasure is that? It's going to last forever. So Jesus right there, he's, he's, saying, hey, there is treasure for you to be had. He says it <clears throat> in, uh, in Mark 10. <clears throat> Here we go. Jesus, I love how Jesus does this. So Jesus basically goes, hey, his disciples are asking if they can be great in eternity and if they can be sitting at his right hand. And rather than Jesus going, hey, you're supposed to die. You're not supposed to desire to be great. You're supposed to desire to be nothing. Why are you even asking me about greatness? Don't you know that the whole point of you following me is that I'm glorified and you just die and nobody cares about you and knows your name? No, he doesn't say that. He actually says, hey, if one of you desires to be great, if you desire to be the greatest, I'm going to give you the secret of how to do it. He literally goes, it's actually okay for you to desire greatness. It's actually okay for you to desire to receive something in response to the way that you've lived your life. Because the disciples were going, what do I need to do now in order to achieve this in eternity? 
And rather than Jesus going, stop, stop wondering how you can get something, he goes, oh, I'll tell you how. Whoever would be first amongst you, whoever would be the greatest among you, must be the slave or must be the servant of all. Again, I mentioned this before, Philippians 2. Paul exhorts us to let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus, who took on the form of a bondservant, who laid down all of his life, he laid down all of his rights, and he walked in perfect obedience to the Father. And that's the key right there. He walked in perfect obedience. See, the way that Jesus lived his life was because that's what the Father called him to. Jesus invites us in the same way to walk in that measure of obedience before the Father, but to do it with excitement in our hearts, knowing there's treasure to be had in heaven. There's greatness to be found. So I want to encourage you guys. A few, it was about a month and a half ago, I, uh, I shared a message, and I'm not trying to plug for myself, but there was a lot of things that I shared in that message that actually go right along with this theme. The more that we say yes to Jesus today, the more that we choose righteousness, the more that we say, okay, Father, I know that there is joy to be had. I know that there is treasure to be had in eternity. The more that we then see that and allow it to affect our lives, just like Jesus allowed it to affect his life, the more that we actually do the very thing that he encouraged us to do, lay up treasures in heaven. And so the key to doing this is, is just that. It's walking in righteousness. It's saying yes to Jesus. And there are, there are promises throughout scripture. I'm just going to start naming off a few things. Now, these are, these are just like, this is what's in store for everybody. Um, we're going to go, the new Jerusalem is going to come. That's heaven comes to earth. Every believer who's ever said yes to Jesus, no matter how you live your life here, as long as, like when I say no matter how long you, how you lived your life, that's important. Um, as long as you've believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you've chosen to walk in repentance, you've chosen to strive for holiness and righteousness, all else aside, you get these promises. No more tears. No more death. No more pain. Trees whose leaves bring healing to the nations. A river flows through this place and its waters, its streams actually bring fullness of joy. They make glad the city of God. These are promises that we get. And this is like just barely scratching the surface. Check out what Jesus himself promises to some of uh, the believers. So in Revelation chapters two and three, there are seven letters that Jesus wrote to believers, to churches. Yes, these were letters that were written to specific believers, but the principle still applies to us because it's letters from Jesus to the church. And what Jesus does in, he, in these letters, I'm not going to go into super grave detail just for the sake of time, but what Jesus does in these letters is he goes, hey, here is something that I notice about your current way of living right now. Some of it's really good. Some of it's not so good. And I have really great things that I want to give to you in eternity. But the only way that you're going to have access to them is if you do the thing that I'm telling you to. So he gives a corrective, a tender corrective word. And the reason is because he's going, hey, I want to give you something. 
But in order for you to get it, you have to do this. I'm just going to read some of these, okay? To the one who conquers, so you'll hear that phrase in, in all of these. Jesus always says, to the one who overcomes or to the one who conquers. Basically what he's saying is, to the one who listens to the instructions that I just gave you and who presses through all of the temptation, all of the trials, all of the tribulations, and you press through to the end looking at me, this is what I'm going to give you. To the one who endures, to the one who conquers, I will grant to you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So not only do we get to be in the place where there's no more tears and no more pain and no more darkness and all this stuff, but now when we overcome, we get to eat from the tree of life. You know, that's what we were originally created for. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Jesus says to another church, This one's kind of weird, but it's awesome. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. I don't really know what hidden manna is. There's some different ideas. Again, I'm not going to go super deep into all this stuff. Like My desire right now is that this whets your appetite, and you dive in and figure out what it is for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit about it. Research it. But there's a name that the Father wants to give you that nobody knows it. And nobody's ever going to know it except for you and him. The way that you get that is you overcome, is you say yes. You keep choosing him. It's not just the one time, Jesus, I'm receiving you into my heart, and I receive forgiveness for sins, and I'm going to try my best to walk in holiness. No, to the one who presses through, to the one who makes it their aim in life to keep searching after Jesus, to keep giving themselves to him, to keep choosing righteousness, to keep pressing through when everything goes crazy, when coronavirus happens and all the world is freaking out, how are we going to navigate our heart? If I know that there's amazing things, like, here we go, to the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, he will, uh, he will rule them, sorry, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with me. This is what Jesus promises. He actually is quoting that Psalm 2 passage that I opened up with, Jesus is actually quoting this passage, and he's like, just like my father is giving me the nations as my inheritance, I'm going to have authority over them, and I'm going to rule over them. When you overcome, you're going to actually partake of that with me. You're going to get to have authority with me. You're going to get to rule over the nations with me. For I myself have received authority from my father. She's going, my father's giving me authority, and I'm going to share it with you. To the one who conquers, they'll be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot out his name from the book of life. Our eternity is set. It's secure. We get to wear those white garments. To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God. Guys, these are beautiful promises. These are the things that we get to look forward to. We get to look forward to not just encountering the beauty of God, the glory of God in paradise forever, but there's even greater things. And I'm going to close with this this morning. I'm sure that most of you have probably had a time in your life where you've had something, you've had a gift that you want to give to a friend or a kid or something, and you're really excited. Maybe it's like a just because kind of gift. It's a, it's a little extravagant thing. It's not for any reason, but you're like, oh, I'm just going to go buy this person this thing because I know how much they're going to love it. 
How much of the joy of that gift is actually received? You receive the joy of that gift when the person joyfully receives that gift. The Father has gifts that he wants to give you. And so often we go, I I don't deserve it, God. I'm unworthy of these gifts. I don't need them. You're enough for me. It's okay. I just, as long as I get to be with you, that's okay. And as noble as that is, the reality is, is that there's joy in the heart of the Father over giving good gifts to his children. Jesus describes the Father as that. He's a good Father, and he knows how to give good gifts to his children. So I want to encourage you today to begin to ask the Lord, Father, begin to search out scripture. I just barely hit the surface today. Father, what are some of the gifts that you want to give me? What are some of the treasures that I can be laying up for myself in heaven? Not because I want to be rich in heaven, but if you want me to be rich in heaven, then I want to also, because I want your joy to be full in me. I want to be able to receive the fullness of what you have for me. And I don't want to look at you and say, what you want to give me, actually, I don't want. I don't think it's good enough. I think what I think I deserve and what I think I want is better than what you know that I need and what you want to bless me with. And so I want to encourage you, open up your hearts today. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I want to encourage you guys to begin to open up your hearts, open up this dialogue with the Lord and begin to just ask him, Father, are there things that you want to bless me with? Are there ways that I can actually open up my heart to you? Are there areas in my life where I'm, I'm actually saying no to you? I'm actually getting in the way of you blessing me with the gifts that you want to give me, either now or in eternity in the age to come, because I'm telling you guys, I promise you that you will reap In eternity, whatever you sow here in this life, wherever you're going, you are going to reap what you sow. And so I want to encourage you, go after getting treasure in heaven. Why? Because Jesus himself said it. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Look at the way that my father said, son, I've got a gift that I want to give to you. Here's what you have to do to get it. And Jesus said, okay, dad. And he said, I'm going to come here. I'm going to do the very thing that you told me. And now I'm getting my gift. And then Jesus goes, look at the way that I did it. Now you do the same. And so I'm going to close this in prayer. The worship team is going to lead us into a song. And and just like Pastor Glenn mentioned earlier, we want to go into a little time of ministry with you all. We love you so much and we want to pray together. So I want to encourage you as, as Pierce and Anique lead us in this song. If you have any prayer requests or anything going on that you would like us to know about, um, just jump in. Uh, send a comment into that comment thread and uh, Kyle's going to come up in just a minute and we're going to just take time to pray through those things with you. So Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that you are a good father, that you love to give good gifts to your children, that we can be confident that when we die or when you return, whatever comes next, whenever we cross over that threshold into eternity, that there is treasure, that there is reward in store for us. And God, we don't want to stiff arm you. We don't want to push you away. We want to position ourselves to fully receive every single good gift that you want to give us so that you can actually receive the fullness of joy, the fullness of delight in us joyfully receiving what you want to give us. So Holy Spirit, teacher, come and teach us today what we can do, how we can live our lives. Open up the scriptures to our hearts and show us what is it that we have in store? What is it that you have in store for us that you want to give us? And how do we partner with you to receive? We love you, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name.